Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Tom Helling. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Now, Tom and I, you and I met, what, it must be 12, 13 years ago when I was doing some work with the National Christian Foundation up in Minneapolis, right? Correct. And uh, with Jay, uh, what's Jay's last name? Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett. What an amazing human being. And Jay and I met, and he he says, listen, John, you got to meet Tom. He's just... uh, and he started sharing with me some of the things that you've done in your life, what you're doing in the kingdom, how you live your life, your spirit, just who you are as a person. And everybody listening, I tell you, that, you know, it's like somebody describing one of these guys like you, you just want to get to know and have coffee with. And that's what we did, huh, Tom? And that's uh, been a, a 12-year friendship now. And so excited to have you just share your journey, your story. There's Guys, there's so many just uh, awesome just nuggets and we were just talking about this before we started recording, right, Tom? Some of there's some pretty significant highs and lows and some really neat things that have happened along the way, huh? Yes. Yes, there are. So here, here's how I'd like to start, uh, just so people can get to know you. I'd love you to just kind of go back and just kind of share your journey, uh, you know, along the way. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, and uh, we live here with, we've got three daughters. They're all married now, um, six grandchildren. Uh, I knew that I wanted to be in business at a fairly early stage um, and then uh, went to the University of Minnesota, um, got a master's in management there and also taught manager accounting and did uh, market research for Toro Manufacturing. Um, I uh, went to work for Ernst & Young after that and was there for three years and then went to work for a healthcare consulting firm. Uh, it was there designed to be president, the successor to the guy who is my great friend and and uh, and boss and was there for three years. And then he, he died in a small plane crash with two daughters on board up in Madeline Island. John, I don't know if you know that story, but but that was a life changer. He was flying up into Madeline Island on the eve of his 48th birthday and had two daughters with him and they augured it in about uh, 10, 15 at night. So uh, major, uh, major life change with the loss of a friend and mentor and uh, coach and, and just a all around a great entrepreneur. And uh, then I finished our largest project with Health Partners. And um, and then uh, three days later, the board terminated me. It was my first. Uh, it was actually my second time of being fired. Um, and then uh, they asked me back seven times, three to three to run it. But my ego is too big. My philosophy is too different. And I needed to be humbled. So uh, so during that time, I uh, hired my first consultant. And what do you yeah. mean your ego was too big and you needed to be humbled? <laughs> my ego was too big. I thought. It is pretty hot stuff, and uh, and so as I started this business, I found out how humbling it was. I was working a couple of jobs. Um, I was teaching uh, MBAs at the University of St. Thomas, and I thought it was big stuff. But um, I had three friends I confided in about how tough it was to be in business, and all three of them happened to share their their faith in in uh, in Jesus Christ with me, which really bothered me at the time, but. Um, but what, it was a great what bothered blessing. you about that? Because this is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would like to share their faith or trying to do business in a way that shares their faith. And I'd, I'd, I think we'd all love to hear a little bit more about that. 
Yeah. Uh, what what bothered me was I, w- I went to these uh, went to these three guys for advice, and they would share messages from the scripture with me, or or uh, or pray with me, and it was just like, man, you are off target here. <laughs> All I want to do is talk about business, and then they would tell me the answers are are in the scriptures, and and that was just so troubling for me at the time because kind of like I, you know. Uh, you know, I don't need to hear this. Uh, this isn't why I'm here. Are you listening to me? Those kinds of things. But they asked me great questions and uh, and just love me. And then um, and then one night um, after about a year of this, um, uh, one of the guys asked me to come to faith in Christ uh, with him, and I turned him down. And he said, "You you need the Holy Spirit. You don't need me." But um, that uh, night, I went to sleep after having that conversation with him on a Friday night. And then the next morning, I got burned in a furnace explosion. The whole right half of my face, neck, and arm got burned, John. And mm. uh, and uh, and then the phone rang. It was a guy from my from my church. And that was the that night was when I um, I surrendered my life to to Christ and made all the difference in in uh, my life. That relationship with with Christ is is the most important one that I have. So you know, going through that that, I mean, it, it's almost kind of feels like the ground was being made fertile at this really dramatic moment with the furnace exploding with some of these folks that were were had been sowing into you, even though that's not what you wanted at the time. It's maybe Correct. what you needed, but not what you wanted, right? Right. Right. Yep. So you know, going through that point. Because I'm sure that was very challenging. What was it? What was the hardest part of that for you, Tom? I think the 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 hardest part for me was I didn't think I needed him. I didn't need that personal relationship because I felt like I knew about God, mm-hmm. but I really didn't know God through through His Son Christ. And so that was that was hard. It was just it was surrendering. Hey, I'm not in charge. And so I, t- I I told God at that time. I said I will I will do anything that you ask after I made that that uh, that commitment to Him. If you want me to, you know, quit my business, I'll do that. You know, if you want me to start showing up for dinner with my wife, I'll do that. If you want me to quit teaching, I'll do that. And so within th- within three days, uh, you know, I got was on a board. Within three days, I got off of uh, everything, started showing up for dinner changed my relationship with my my uh, my wife and my family so you were you one of these uh, workaholics Tom yeah I still have some of those problems John <laughs> but <laughs> but definitely yeah definitely and you know my dad raised us to be uh, to be independent so that we didn't have to count on anybody and you know all of a sudden it was switching from being independent to being dependent big change big life change. Well, you know, and I, I I should have shared this at the beginning, everybody, but, you know, Tom started a company called CEO Solutions, and you did over 600, you helped sell over 600 companies, um, create 300 business plans. You also founded a number of different companies. One, I, I think we'll talk about called Image Guided Neurologics, and you also founded this incredible, you know, we... we we're always talking about on this podcast about how do we take our faith and bring it in the world? How do we do good through doing business? And you found it high speed Luke, you know, so as you're making this transition, you know, as now the faith is kind of the new part of your life, I think, you know, something I hear from the audience quite a bit, Tom, is, you know, how do you really connect? You know, we're all, we're all probably praying, you know, to renew our mind to that mind of Christ 
But, you know, like in Ephesians 2.10, how do we connect to what we are being called to do in this season of our life? How did you do that personally? Yeah. For me, uh, a bunch of this came through going on some silent retreats. Um, I've, I've gone on uh, roughly 18 silent retreats, and it's it's in February, so it's cold up here in Minnesota, as you well know, John. Yeah, it's a great time to have uh, three days of uh, three days of silence. It's at a place called uh, De Montreville. It's non-denominational, but led by the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus, and it's an absolutely incredible experience to, to really just slow down and uh, and get in touch and, and listen to God. So through uh, through the scriptures, and that's heavily scripture based. That whole weekend is is always in the scriptures. Um, so it's a time to just slow down and 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 be quiet and get at peace and and come to listen to what all all God is is calling you to do. So, yeah, it's been a big big help. Plus, staying in the staying in the Word. I'm in a small Bible study group uh, on Friday mornings, and great, fantastic uh, bunch of guys that that uh, we get to share what's going on in life and also um, learn about uh, what the Lord's telling us through the scriptures. Now, I'd, I'd love for you to share, Tom, when you were on one of your silent retreats, you heard God speak to you, and it, it was very similar to the experience that I had. And I'd love for you to kind of share what that was for you and what that led to. Sure. Uh, I was on this I was on this retreat, and I know you've experienced this too, John, when you had your had your fall off the horse at the, at the ranch. Um, but it was... It, it wasn't, like you described it, it wasn't audible, it wasn't inaudible, but it was absolutely clear, and the message was, feed the children the Word of God. And, you know, one of my, you know, one of the highlights of my journey uh, that I would share with, um, with the group here is that you may be an unwilling participant or feel unqualified to lead in what God wants you to do, but if it is of God, He will, he will bless in eternity. Eternally, so this kept coming back. This kept coming back to me again and again when I was on this weekend. Feed the children the word of God. Feed the children the word of God. And and uh, and then um, what happened uh, after that? You know, I just was like, Hey, I'm not. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> this is this is not me. I'm a businessman. I'm not a pastor. Uh, but the mission was clear. It was it was so simple and so clear. And then two months later, my niece shows up from from college in Nebraska on Holy Thursday. And Sarah speaks at over 300 words per minute with Gus that go higher, John. She is fast. Mm-hmm. She actually reads She actually reads at that speed. She can speak faster than that. Uh, but I asked her if, she, if I could record her doing a gospel, and we both independently chose Luke. So then two months later, we were recording the first take at KTS Studios in, uh, in Minnesota. And six months later, we had the first uh, product out, the gospel of Luke was packaged. And today we have six books uh, of the Bible and ten videos which help help educate youth. Um, and while there's no money from it, this is a blessing to many in in 153 countries. And you, you, John, Donna, and your sons were some of our early testers. So I want to thank you for your feedback and your and your questions. And do you you, re- you remember uh, you remember your testimonial that you, uh, you that you gave on this? You're my favorite Top Gun pilot, by the way, John. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the testimonial that your family had? 
Yeah, uh, what did I say? Something like this satisfies my need for speed, or what did I say? Tom? Yes, right, right, yeah, yeah. This met our family's need for speed, and so, so we have, <laughs> so we have that on our uh, on our plastic cards and on our website. You know, kids talk so fast these days, and our brains are our high speed learning machines. So let's challenge them. Let's challenge our brains. Well, and, well, I'd like to talk about that because you know, you you know, you've you. You went out with this. It was an idea. Yeah. This, this idea is, uh, and I know that this is uh, a resource that's that's highly in demand in prisons and it's other places. It's being listened to. You said 153 countries. Right. You know. You know to share with people out there that I. You know I. They have some kind. They have an idea. They have something God's put on their heart. Maybe you could talk about some of the things that it took to take this from an idea to actually uh, basically a ministry you created that's having pretty pretty uh, tremendous impact around the world yes well I, I I think the biggest thing is just to be be open to what uh, what God's call, calling you and I, I do want to share with the with the listeners that um, that intellectual curiosity risk-taking and persistence um, are keys to create a better outcome for others and and you need to take you need to take risks. Um, have you ever wished you'd take more taken more risks, John? I mean, I'm I'm looking back on some things that I missed out on, and and I sure sure wish I wish I had done that. But but God has taken us uh, along the path. So, for example, after we um, after we um, sold um, CEO Solutions, I went to work for the buyer for two years, and then um, it, in spite of record growth and profitability. He managed to to take down in two years what took 27 to build. But here's how God works. Three days later, I was down at uh, Tyndale House Publishers and met with Doug Knox and his team down there and got um, agreement to be able to put High Speed Luke onto the Internet. And they'd never done anything like this before. So um, it was it was just kind of amazing. So we came to agreement on that. And I had an option to sell it or put it on for free, uh, as did they. And uh, it's been a good partnership with um, with Tyndale House Publishers because we use the New Living Translation. Uh, it took uh, with with uh, Sarah, my niece. We we got in a studio in the summertime and uh, did the first recording of Luke. I realized that she was so fast, John, that that I could never keep up with her. We were going to flip back and forth. I was going to read some and she was going to read some and so we did a test and she read so fast I said that's it you're reading all the, <laughs> you're reading all the books I'm just I'm just there for questions and introductions and so forth because I just, I, I she's she's got such a gift I, I just can't keep up with her so that was an example of of where it started and then we you know then we had to package it we got marketing people and then as we went along um different things started happening. Um, you know, Lori and I took uh, trips to Israel, Egypt, Turkey, and Greece. And along the way of those, we got a, an, a spontaneous idea to video at some of these historical sites with some Christian apologists, a Jewish woman, also a Muslim woman uh, who's at the theater in Ephesus, who's just incredible talking about what she admires about Paul. So so this thing has just been a been a journey, and it's 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 taken off and it's no credit to me all glory to god in this one because we're just we're just doing you know something to keep it in front of people 
Uh, there's been all kinds of people who have helped along the way. Just just incredible people. My assistant, uh, Diantha, has been absolutely marvelous. Liz Boudry has been great. Um, uh, the people at Tyndale have been wonderful. So it's been, a, it's been a great thing. Lots of nice people. My friend Jeff Seaman. Yeah, lots of great people. Well, and these videos and the audios and everything are available, uh, folks. It's highspeedluke.com. And, uh, Tom, I, you know, one of my favorite stories in, in videos, Tell I'd love for you to share um, about what happened when you were in the area of the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, sure. Well, we're, what happened in the, on the Dead Sea Scroll video, there was a search ministries guy who was leading it. Ed uh, was just Ed Diaz. Uh, his his son is Johnny Diaz, and his other one of his uh, other sons played professional ball. But Ed is, we're down at the down in Qumran, and uh, and I said, you know, Ed, I'd like to film you. And this is actually our first video. I'd like to film you here at one of these historical sites, and I just want to ask you a question about the historical uh, accuracy of the Bible. And, and and what's Ed's background, Tom? Yeah, Ed's background is he was a pastor. And then at the time, he was on his 60, he's a pastor, and he is connected with uh, Search Ministries, uh, which is a non-denominal group that's primarily for men that gets them into the scriptures in small groups and just kind of uh, shares intellectually curious speakers and so forth. It was his 16th trip to Israel, 16th time of leading. And so anyway, he goes, well, let's, there's a better spot for us to record this. Let's go over here. And we go over to this, this spot and behind us is this cave. So we're standing at this cave. And of course, I don't know the, the history there. And all of a sudden I asked him the question to tell me about the historical acts of the Bible. And he ties in that this cave is where they found the book of Isaiah back in 19, uh, 1948. Um, uh, and so a young, young man found these Dead Sea Scrolls there in this cave. And the cave is right between us, right in, right in back of us. And then Ed ties the book of Isaiah, uh, takes it all the way through from Old Testament to the New Testament that we are healed by his stripes. Uh, and, and so all of a sudden, I'm thinking we're learning about the Old Testament and we're learning about these Dead Sea Scrolls. And all of a sudden, Ed takes all that and he ties it to the death and resurrection of Christ, and boom, it's all done. He does it in three minutes. So I'm sitting there kind of like trying to not keep my mouth wide open and just in awe of, you know, how cool this is that we're at these historical sites. So that's that's an example of one of the videos that's that's there on the site. And TeacherTube, by the way, John, has been a real blessing for us. With TeacherTube, we get multipliers on it. So I talk to teachers and we get anywhere 30, 60, 100, 140 uh, kids, youth, young people watching these videos. So uh, we got about 16,000 downloads off of TeacherTube. So if you used a 30 multiplier, you know, roughly a, r- roughly a half a million viewings of these uh, um, historical accurate um, discussions at historical historical sites. Now, and these are in public schools, correct? And get in public schools, too, because it's on P- TeacherTube. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, although, you know, through this whole journey, ups and downs, and just your faith walk and business, what are, what, what have been some of your biggest challenges, Tom, you think would really, you know, just help the folks listening just, you know, relate to and just kind of get through, you know, what they're experiencing? 
Sure. Um, I can, I, I think, I think um, you know, my friend Larry Julian, I was with him at the Minnesota Prayer Breakfast last week, um, uh, and Larry's the author of God is My CEO, and he wrote me a note when his second edition came out, and it said, following God in turbulent times is no easy task. Mm. In, in addition to faith, it takes time, dedication, and courage. And so Larry's, Larry's wisdom is, is correct because I've had all kinds of different ups and downs and challenges. And I mentioned a couple of those um, to you here earlier, but, um, but the challenges make us realize the blessings of life. So some of my challenges, one of my, one of my challenges, I'll tell you, it's going to sound kind of funny, but uh, there's a lot of critics um, and relatives who may call you or your ideas stupid. And John, I'm an I'm an old goalie, so I've taken a lot of you know shots boomed right to that right to the head. So I do have some screws loose, but but I got so tired of people calling me stupid that I declared it a swear word in our home. So our daughters, our three daughters, you know, they always they knew that that was a word that they just couldn't use. I just I needed a break at home. Call me stupid out there in the world, but you know, spare me at home. Uh, <laughs> And I think that gets to your issue of answering your personal why, because you are really big on this. It, it's something that we need to answer, and a mission helps us focus on others. It's not about me. It's it's about serving others. And you know, with that, let me give you let me give you an example of 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 that, because this this deals with uh, intellectual curiosity and risk taking and persistence and creating a better outcome for others. So um, we so when we started. Um, uh, image-guided neurologics, people thought we were crazy. They said, oh, my gosh, you know, the old thing is, hey, it's not brain surgery. Well, actually, you know, uh, that one was brain surgery. And that company was touch and go for, for eight years. So we went through four rounds of venture capital funding and, and, and gaining health systems and physicians' acceptance. And, th- and that's the time when we felt we could make it. So we had a great uh, mission and uh, however, we eventually had to sell it to a large company like Medtronic to get a platform to fund it and uh, get the ultimate best incomes for, for patients. Do you got time for a quick story on a, a golf story? Sure. Well, okay. Well. All right. Yeah, okay. So, so, um, so this is something that we felt called to do. And my partner and I um, invested in it when a whole bunch of our other investors wouldn't, wouldn't invest, invest in it. But, um, and we, again, we had a, we had a great team. So lots of people made this possible. But anyway, about 18 months ago, I'm out playing golf and I'm playing with uh, three guys, never met them, met them before. And our mission at Image Guide Neurologics was to revolutionize access and navigation in the brain. So via minimally invasive burr holes, you could uh, do biopsies inside the brain, implant an Activa neurostimulator for the treatment of Parkinson's, and then also place a tiny droplet of a drug to the targeted site in the brain using robotics for the treatment of a neurodegenerative disease. And so I'm playing golf with this guy and two of his friends, and we're walking off the 15th hole, and he says to me, he says, Tom, he says, this is one of the most fun days I've ever had in my life. He says, you're a lot of fun to play golf with. In fact, if you look at this for you from the side, you look kind of like Tom Watson. And I went, oh, no, (laughs) here we go. He's pulling this for me. I'll have the shake so bad I won't be able to play the next three holes because the pressure will be on. But then he he takes off his cap, and he says, I want to show you something. And he shows me two scars in the top of his head where the doctors had implanted 
these Medtronic Activa neurostimulators. And he says to me, he says, Tom, he says, I had the shake so bad a year ago that I couldn't play golf anymore. But Medtronic has this product and they go inside your brain with these stimulators and they put them in and, and he holds out his hand. He goes, see this? I don't have the shakes anymore. I can play golf with my friends. Mm. So, so at that, you know, at that point, I'm just like, I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is so cool. And he says, in fact, Tom, he says, I'm the featured speaker at Medtronic next month. And I'm going to tell those Medtronic people, I'm going to thank them for all that they've done for me. Mm. Now I got a, now I got a dilemma. Do I tell them, John, or don't I? Do I tell them this was our gig, you know, that we worked on for those eight years or not? And I said, oh, I, I got to tell him. He has just made the rest of my year. So his successful outcome, you know, just I can't tell you the joy that was that was there. Um, and we had the risk of losing everything that we in, invested in. But if it was going to and Jeff and I talked about this, if you know, if it was going to help one person with some of the problems that they have, um, all of it was was worth it. So win or lose, it was worth it. It was definitely worth uh, taking the risk. Hmm. Well, you know, go go back to that. There's so many people out there that are looking at starting companies. And, you know, you have been through, you know, selling over 600 companies for your clients at CEO Solutions. Yeah. What would you say some of the core principles are for companies that either you've been a part of or that you were that you started was why they why they succeeded or yeah. maybe or maybe even why they failed yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, i i would say for for um for our clients companies the the reason why they why they succeeded i would say for the most part that they were so um, they were so service uh, oriented and so um, so focused on others. They had um, most of the time they had really really good missions. They also had great core values. We really were blessed with some with some just some fantastic clients with good strong core values. So we could see their we could see their success. We knew why they were successful. Um, Many of them were just were well well grounded in in serving others, and by and by doing that, they were able to able to grow and, and succeed and and transition. Um, so core values are big. Um, you, you've got an exercise, I believe, on that, John. I learned from one of your recent updates that you've got mm -hmm. an exercise on on core values. So good for you for putting that out there. I think that's that you've got that. Is that available for your listeners? Yeah, anybody can yeah. just go to our website. If you opt into our newsletter, you get a copy of that. And we've had, I think, uh, almost four or 500 people go through that and have had That's great awesome. feedback. So love for yeah. you guys to download that, go through it. And if you have any questions going through it, I'm always available by email, john at eternalleadership.com. And love hearing from everybody. Right. So I think those, I think the core values are good. I think having a, a good, clear mission is good. Um, the, the, the clear mission um, for us with CEO Solutions was, uh, you know, we are your, we are your business ally. And that is a word that a lot of people don't understand because it's kind of a, an old word. It's now starting to come back again, but we were your business ally. So we always did stuff. What a, what a really deep friend would do 
um, and share with you, we would do that. We, we, given the risk of loss of relationship, which we didn't want to lose any relationships, we would always tell people where, where we thought the, 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 um, the best direction was, was. We asked them lots of great questions, and, but you had to be clear on your mission, and, and, and I think that helps, and be clear on your, uh, on your core values. And then for some of these companies, they, you know, they didn't know what they were going to be in, in vision. Um, I'm working with, uh, with a client right now, two, two companies merged, and there is not that clarity of the vision or the mission. And hopefully this gets ironed out uh, pretty quickly because they got some good raw potential there to really take this business uh, and develop it even further. But they got to get through this, uh, this tough process first. Mm-hmm. And, and now, what are you working on now, Tom? What, what's your latest venture? The latest venture is called Equity View. And uh, Equ- Equity View is a tool that we use to size up the quality of management and give decision insights for investors so it will speed successful outcomes. So it's, a, it's an Internet-based tool uh, that has uh, – top uh, management go through and uh, and answer uh, different questions and do a short video and then based upon all that we we pull out the intangibles and size up management look at look at their risks and how they perceive them and then we assess where the risks are and then we also uh, we also rate the quality of management but we can spot whether there's conflicts too when we compare the different uh, equity views that people do so that's that's what I'm working on right now and what what did uh, Equity View come out of? How did how did you come across this as your your next uh, thing that you did? Yeah, well, a couple a couple of things. I was working with a with a um, with a client, and they they were growing, but they had some internal conflict uh, going on with the uh, with the owners. They were looking at selling. They were had hired me to help uh, position them, and then um, we'd been working together for almost over three years. And then I realized, oh my gosh, there's something really deep here going on that I get to get down to. And so I, I developed the uh, equity view. So it was a culmination of asking lots of questions over 30 years, but really focusing in on some really deep stuff that they could uh, go through and, and, uh, and answer uh, over the internet as opposed to a face-to-face. And some people are more comfortable doing that. It's very interesting to see the answers that, that, that come out. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I've seen this in, in, you know, for the folks listening, you know, this has come out, like you said, 30 years of experience, 600 deals, you know, and if you're running a private company right now, because everybody knows I'm big on culture, right? and culture is always driven by the leadership and the leadership team, and, yep. and uh, you know, if things aren't going the way you want to, they're not growing, you don't have the, the culture or the relationships that you need, I would really encourage people to take a look at what Equity View does. And if anybody's out there is kind of the investor class, you're looking at investing in a company. Uh, I would not personally invest in a company until I actually had an Equity View done of the team that I was putting money into because it is so insightful and actionable on everything that you've, uh, on what you've put together, Tom. So and I know that it's been a labor of love, hasn't it? This is you yes. in a whole new season of your life. You don't really need to be doing this, but you just feel so passionate about seeing 
both individuals and companies. I know you're a big proponent of, you know, doing good through doing business. And, yes. But you need excellence in your business and excellence in your culture to really, you know, have the the revenue and the, the impact on your people to, I think, to really carry that out in a meaningful way. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think I, I think you've I think you've said it. So yeah, I, I culture is uh, culture is huge. Um, I was just at a uh, meeting out in Denver. Got a chance to see you. It was the yeah, it was awesome. Association, yeah, associate was it was great to be with you. I see this the association for corporate growth, and that was one of the big things that all the the different speakers uh, talked about. Uh, um, they were they were great. I remember uh, there were there were two women that were up there that were uh, fantastic. One was from a electrical contracting company, and the other one was from um, uh, New Belgium Brewing. So it was fascinating to just learn about their uh, learn about their cultures. So we're at the uh, our wrap up time, but I, anything just stand out to you? You know, some things that you saw and what you learned about their cultures that just really struck you. Mm, I think they just have they have a lot of fun in their cultures, and one of them is a hugging is a hugging uh, culture. And somebody from the audience asked, "Hey, how did you, how did you get away with that? How did you get that past HR in today's environment?" And they say, "Well, some people don't particularly like to hug, so we might give them a high five, or sometimes we just hug them anyway." <laughs> 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 that was the you know that was the you know that was the love. You know, a um, couple of things just in wrapping up uh, some favorite uh, favorite scriptures that that come to me, and that is that uh, faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. That's in Romans ten seventeen. So um, it's always fun to listen. And one of my mentors was Manny Style, who wrote Listening Leaders. Um, I took his course twice, uh, not just because I. I, I uh, it's not that I'm a slow learner. It's just that there was so much that was there, and listening to God requires requires great focus. You can do it in a church uh, community, a small group, a silent retreat, a prayer room outdoors, and uh, it's our foundational verse for high speed Luke. So, listening to God, I can feel His presence. And talking about uh, talking about great women, there's so many of them in the in the in the Bible. Uh, one of my favorites is from John. Four, uh, verse 12, and Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and she says to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? <laughs> and Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Jesus goes on to have a great uh, conversation with, with her, and this gift is about the, about the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm a mess like the Samaritan woman at the well. I can relate to her, John. So in spite of everything, still a mess going through ups and downs. But uh, Jesus wants us to uh, to know, love, and, and serve him. And Jesus has a great conversation with this woman at the well and then goes on and reveals that, that I am the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know uh, he's big in your life and he's big in mine and, um, and uh, you know, Thank God for uh, thank God for relationships and thank you for your leadership on this eternal leadership podcast you do. I think it's I think it's a great thing that uh, that you're doing and Steve Ryder's doing and and it's a it's a gift to us to be able to listen to some of the great 
speakers that you've had on, on here. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you, Tom, also for who you are. And, you know, as we wrap up, any just final thoughts you just love to leave with folks? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think one of the, one of the final thoughts is to just uh, take some time and, and, uh, and slow down. You might go off to a, a quiet place uh, where you can um, really um, reflect and not have any distraction, no, no cell phone going off, no emails, emails no, you know, no buzzers, you know, no nothing, just, uh, just you in a, in a quiet place. It might only be for, might be an hour if you're lucky enough, it might be three days. At which case, after that point, John, you'll want to become a monk. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's good to just take that uh, time and reflect. Um, there was a liberal theologian named Tony Campolo who quoted a study of 50 people who were in uh, nursing homes that were nine years old or over. My dad just turned 90 here about a week ago. But they asked him, if you had to live your life over again, what would you do? And they said, I would spend... More time and reflection was the first one. The second one was it would take more risks, which is what we talked about. And the third one is it would invest in something that it would outlive me long after I was gone. Mm. So I would encourage people to reflect on, on, uh, on those thoughts because uh, a lot of people don't make it to 90. So life is quick. And as you know, John, so precious. So we just got to take our time and stay in the moment, uh, but also look long term and reflect about how we want to live our life and how we want to how we want to um, leave a leave a legacy. You know, I love that. I remember when I first, you know, started working with a, a coach through the Halftime Institute, Jeff Spadafora, one of the first things he had me do, Tom, was write my epitaph, because, you know, during my accident, I was already thinking about what that would have been if I hadn't made it. Uh, I guess it's about four years ago now. And for me, that was a big step in getting some clarity about how I wanted to live this life, right? I, I love that quote, mm -hmm. you know, live your life so the use of your life outlives your life. Yes. Right? And so yes. that has been kind of my guiding precept so to speak as i you know as i when i look at opportunities how i make decisions you know is this something that's going to serve god serve the kingdom honor the incredible gift of grace that we've received through christ and um and that's how we, and, I, and i know that's how you lived your life so you know how to on the web how do people find you i know highspeedluke.com and then um equity view it's equity-view.com um, is that the best way for people to uh, get in touch with you or see what you're doing? Sure. They can put a Tom in front of that equity-view.com. So Tom at equity-view.com. Oh, if they I, want just, to email you, you great. Know, that'll about, all be in the show notes too, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah babe, that'd be good. Um, you know, I was just, I was thinking about, I was thinking about you and I, and I saw a quote from, uh, from Churchill because uh, people have dark, darker days and they have lighter days, but uh but uh, Churchill was speaking about a month before Pearl Harbor to the boys at the Harrow School, and he said, Do not let us speak of darker days. Let us speak rather of sterner days. These are not dark days. These are great days. The greatest days our country has ever lived. And we must all thank God that we've been allowed, each of us, according to our stations, to play a part in making these days memorable in the history of our race. Mm. 
Yeah, so so when I think about the uh, inspiring people that you have on these, including yourself, John, you are just a, you're a great inspiration to, uh, to me, and I thank you for all that you've given me. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is? As well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>